0: This is Fire Rescue One Side Alpha podcast, putting fire service leaders in front of hot topics facing firefighters today. Now here's the executive editor of FireRescueOne.com and FireChief.com, Chief Mark Bayshore. Hi, how time usually flies, um, but what an eternity the past year seems like it's been. Today's podcast takes a retrospective look at the year that seems like it would never end. 2020. With me today is our Editor-in-Chief, Janelle Foskett. Together, we thought we'd take a look back at the virus, the civil unrest, a little bit about politics and the election, and the myriad topics that seem to have metaphorically and in reality consumed the year 2020. Now, mind you, we'll talk about all that while we also want to talk about the way forward. Now, a little behind the scenes piece uh, that our side alpha uh, listeners might not be aware of, but Janelle usually joins me on every one of these podcasts, silently helping steer the editorial content uh, that we hope drives much of your conversations around the firehouse kitchen table and helps drive the content into your training regimens daily. So Janelle, thanks for joining me on this side of the microphone today. I appreciate you being with us.
1: Thanks, Chief. It's an honor to be on Site Health Podcast and taking a little bit of a a different turn this time for me.
0: As, you know, we think about a lot of the coverage we had during 2020, I look back and I, I think that we were just coming out of a horrible 2019 wildfire period. It was one of the worst on record. Then in January 2020, it started off with a really horrible streak of first responder roadway deaths. For me, January started off with a conference presentation in Daytona Beach, and I was preparing for the next one. Little did I know then, little did any of us know then, uh, that would be the last conference for the year, at least as we had come to know them uh, to that point in time. So right about February 1st, uh, my wife and I were struggling with the decision to go on an upcoming cruise to the Caribbean. And the only reason we were struggling with the cruise, believe me, the only reason we were struggling with it was because we had begun hearing the rumblings, you know, back a month or so before we had begun hearing the rumblings of some virus in China. And, you know, as I look back and, Janelle probably the same thing for you is as I look back it was kind of a surreal feeling of blah 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 uh for the firefighters it was all kind of the the things that we seem to be part of our our collective disaster routine just something else we were going to deal with uh kind of the what we do and who we are that in retrospect and looking back that's what it kind of felt like at the time but little did we know what roller coaster we were getting ready to ride and uh the lives we were getting ready to live both as firefighters and as a populace, not only in the United States, but worldwide. It's truly been an unprecedented event, COVID that is, the virus. And the impact on firefighters has been something that none of us could have contemplated. And frankly, Janelle, you've done a great job of uh, coordinating that in our coverage and thought maybe you could talk a little bit about what our coverage has been uh, as we've, you know, as we've gone through this COVID odyssey.
1: Yeah, absolutely, Mark. You hit it on the head when you talked about the wildfires and then the roadway incidents. You know, when the year started, I think we all thought that those were going to be these defining moments of 2020. And now in hindsight, it's just, it couldn't be different. Um, You know, the wildfires were still tragic And the roadway deaths, you know, obviously deserve a ton of attention. And we still continue to focus on roadway safety and our coverage. But yeah, everything really exploded. Um, When I look back at our COVID coverage, started in late January. And, you know, I remember when we were first starting to look for news items and figure out the impact on the fire service. I mean, I remember when we were scrambling to post the story about the Washington firefighters um, who were quarantined, and that just felt like huge news at the time. Little did we know that this was going to become you know a trend across the country, and different regions were going to go through it at different times. And we just never never would it have occurred to me at that time, back in February how huge this was going to be. You know, and, yeah. It,
0: it, you, you're, you're right. And I remember thinking while you were looking for coverage and again, some of that behind the scenes thing, Janelle and I will, will tee off of each other with, Hey, did you hear this? Hey, did you hear that? Or, Hey, can we, can we figure something out on this or that? And I remember a conversation in January you had with me and I, I, I haven't told you this before, but I rolled my eyes as you were having the conversation. I'm thinking, oh, this is just another thing. And it goes back to that whole mm-hmm. blah, blah, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and thinking that this is going to be over. And why are we worried about this? This is going to be over in 30 days, and we're going to be on to something else. So, yeah, I, I uh, can't even imagine as you, in your role, began trying to filter through that. And here I am out on the street. And in this case, in rural Florida, uh, where it's not at that point in time, it was barely a blip on our radar. But yeah. my goodness. So what did uh, that Washington event that kind of rolled into a bunch of other stuff? Right. And and the coverage that you began uh, putting together.
1: Oh, yeah. It, immediately. There was just so much that we had to consider that that I had never considered in my years in fire service media in terms of really making sure we defined what was quarantine, what is isolate, what is shelter in place, defining this for the reader because there was so much confusion uh, initially. And then the really the big initial stories were fire departments suddenly having to scramble to rewrite PPE protocols and, you know, procedures. And then of course, that was in huge part because of the PPE shortages, and I think that was one of the big things that came out of it initially was sort of the inconsistency, different departments handling it differently, um, you know, everyone just trying to figure out what was the best plan of attack, and obviously, a lot of that depended, too, on what any individual department's leadership, um, you know, how they felt about it, and what their directives were going to be. So there was a lot of confusion and, you know, a lot around the PPE, a lot around staffing issues. You know, when did someone have to quarantine? What did that mean for the staffing at the departments? You know, it's a very different experience at a very small department than the big metro department. And, you know, from those initial firefighters in Washington who were quarantined, which felt like such a big deal. And then, you know, months later, there would be a big metro department with dozens, dozens of members quarantined at any given moment. And it just really became almost commonplace, which is, is crazy to think now. Um, and at the time, we just couldn't have even imagined it. Um, and the other big thing that I wanted to note was the so much coverage really started shifting towards mental health focus with the coronavirus and the impact that this was having on first responders and their families. And so a lot of, a lot of different people, a lot of firefighters reached out to us looking for information about how to cope and t- sharing their stories, writing their personal stories to us. Um, and that really emerged as one of the big big issues to come out of what's happened with COVID beyond the PPE and the health and the illness part of it.
0: Yeah, mental health as a whole in the COVID crisis has been something, I think, taxing for first responders for sure, but even for the general public, um, you know, where normally families can cope firefighters are part of the families too. So, you know, families could cope by going and visiting their loved one in the hospital or by being with them at their final moments, frankly, or while, um, you know, just being able to hold their hand. During COVID, none of that could happen. Mm -hmm. A lot of our normal coping mechanisms as individuals, as people, and as firefighters wouldn't work during COVID because we couldn't cope the same way, um, uh, that that personal touch and that just being part, being there for your family. Uh, so absolutely that was, um, um, that was a pretty big deal and still is, uh, you know, we haven't come out of it yet, but hopefully we're, uh, we're seeing some, some light in the tunnel as the vaccines roll out across the country and uh, across the world. Uh, we see hopefully some, um, some benefit there. One thing I wanted to touch on on um, uh, PPE and one of the issues that uh, was interesting is a little story that I'll, I'll tell about PPE. You know, in our uh, central Florida, kind of south central Florida area that I'm in, um, our department uh, at first thought we were in fair shape because we had this huge Um, stash, if you will, of um, N95 masks. And we thought, well, great, okay, we're going to be okay. Um, And, oh, my God, little did we know how inefficient and ineffective that was going to be. Because ultimately, this huge stash of N95 masks was from the bird flu era. How Uh long ago was that? (laughs) You know, uh, Right. They were back in a closet and uh, somebody found the boxes. And uh, this was one of those things where, okay, we got to figure it out. We're a small department and um, we figured it out. Great. We've got them. And they pulled the first couple boxes out and everything was good. And by the time they got down to the third or fourth box that had been in a pretty unconditioned environment and the crew started to put those masks on, And all of a sudden, reality hit because the elastic began to break, where the elastic was no longer elastic, and these masks were now no longer effective. We only had one or two boxes out of that entire stash that worked. So PPE became huge, even for the department that thought they had it. Um, That supply chain was something that uh, hopefully we, from an after-action planning, uh, it's, it's not anything that fire rescue one can control, but certainly it's something that fire chiefs can drive and fire rescue one can cover. Uh, it's what the after action, uh, of this entire event, uh, what we do to be able to, uh, to do better for that next one.
1: Yeah. It's all about planning and being ready. And, you know, I think this was a wake up call for a lot of departments because they thought they were fine, you know, and yeah, I mean, that story, I think, was replicated across the country in so many places. Um, And then that naturally leads to the issue, the financial impact on the fire department, too, because everyone was suddenly scrambling and fighting for resources, trying to figure out how they were going to afford it. And that's that's one thing that we've tried to cover very closely throughout this year. But it's going to extend into 2021 and beyond is the, the domino effect on the financial side and what departments can do um, you know, in terms of looking for funding, grants, anything to help them save money right now um, while they're going through this, this challenging yeah. time.
0: Yeah. Cause the financial issues that affect us all. And we talk about the stimulus money and all those different things that they affect, especially small fire departments, uh, yeah. and fire departments exponentially uh, worse, but you know, when we talk about the reductions in um, income across the board and we're talking the, the mom and pop shops to uh, people not in public safety, everybody is struggling from this event. Yeah. And when um, you know, you look at places that depend on the tourism, Florida, as an example, California, as an example, you look at places that depend on a lot of that tourism, the tourism dollars that are driven by hotel and motel taxes and gas taxes None of that's coming. Um, You know, Disney World closed for an unprecedented period of time. Uh, Those those things transcend into the fire service by a reduction in uh, taxable income. And, you know, those financial issues are where the federal government has tried to come in with the stimulus efforts and all of those different programs. And we'll talk a little bit about politics in a minute. Um, but um, yeah, the the financial issues affecting fire departments—that's sadly going to be something that's going to stick with us for years, because those income lags, you know, they don't happen right away. There there's a lag between uh, when the expenditures occur and when the uh, uh, the income comes in for uh, for reporting and and budgeting purposes. So. We've probably got a couple years, even if this were to go away today and things were to return to normal, we've probably got a couple years worth of struggle on the financial end in the fire service. Uh, if there is such a thing as getting back to normal, uh, probably a couple years of getting back to normal.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And we're just going to keep trying to stay on top of it and bring fire departments the resources they need. I know you've done a great job covering that in your column, uh, looking at some of the political angles. Um, and what fire departments can do to really just navigate this time. So we'll we'll certainly stay on top of it. Yeah.
0: And, you know, we have had a loss of um, uh, conferences, which, um, you know, Fire Rescue 1, not only do we attend and cover all of them, um, you know, I try to do some instruction and some of our other, uh, of course, uh, Gordon Graham and Billy Goldfeder are, are affiliates with Lexapol that, you uh, know, um, teach at uh, or instruct at uh, all these conferences we've we haven't had that opportunity so you know transitioning from that face-to-face uh, group think and group train uh, we have transitioned into this team's environment or um, um, you know whichever group it whichever platform it is that people are using uh, zoom or whatever to get their message across um, I you know giving a keynote presentation, on uh, Zoom is something that I had never done, but now I, I check box, I've got that done. Those <laughs> yep. things are uh, just things you just wouldn't even think about uh, yeah. conducting conferences. Uh, so how, you, you know, from a coverage perspective, how does that make it difficult for, for us uh, at Fire Rescue One and for you at the editorial side of this? Um, how has that made things difficult or uh, or has it for what we cover?
1: Well, you know, going to the conferences is always just a great experience um, to network and and meet with writers. Um, so, th- you know, that it's disappointing that we haven't had that this year. But, you know, that's one of the first areas that we tackled when we really realized how big uh, the pandemic was and the impact it was going to have for as long as it was going to have as we started, you know, focusing on different you know alternative ways to train you know and trying to provide some resources there you know so you know just because there's some social distancing and you know we can't get together quite in the same way there are still so many opportunities to learn and we've just really tried to highlight some of the different organizations um including you know our own virus one academy different ways that people can keep growing and learning even if they can't travel to a conference right now.
0: Right. Yep, absolutely. And I think everybody, everybody's done a great job of of picking up that uh, ball, if you will. And the opportunity right now for um, no or low cost, so no cost or low cost training and education is unprecedented Uh, to be able to tap into zoom or, or teams or one of those other platforms and, um, attend a conference virtually. Again, it's not something that a lot of people are, are used to having uh, done uh, on a regular basis. But now there's a lot of those that are being uh, offered uh, for free or for a very low price. So while you may not be able to go somewhere, you can certainly go to your office, your home office or a, a classroom and and key into a computer and be able to attend some of these sessions. So there's it, there's certainly um, been a, a a new paradigm for the way we train this year and the way that we attend these conferences um, and recognizing that we still have, we as a fire service still have to train. Uh, we can do small unit training, which is for me is the best training is small unit training anyways. Uh, but if we do small unit training, a couple people and try to keep the distance, try to stay masked where we can uh, and also, probably more important than all that is making sure we're disinfecting continuously and uh, just keeping ourselves safe. Uh, then we can still get the training done. Yeah. So as we as we um, kind of wind down on on COVID, if you will, from a coverage perspective, there's that one last piece that's out there now, and that's the vaccine. Um, so we've we've seen the vaccine begin to filter into the United States um, and. I'm sure that you're gearing up or, uh, well, you're not gearing up, you're continuing to cover how that's going to impact firefighters. So, have you seen any um, fire departments really rise to the the, the top of that uh, discussion as far as the vaccine?
1: You know, I've definitely seen fire departments uh, sharing the news about different members of their department getting the vaccine. Um, I've seen on Instagram, Facebook, you know, they're, they're getting the word out there um, to let their communities know that their first responders are protecting themselves. Um, <clears throat> Greg Fries, our editorial director, uh, wrote a piece about why he will be getting the vaccine. Um, it generated a lot of discussion online, and we're just gonna continue to stay on top of it, follow the news. Um, you know, this is, it's gonna be a very interesting rollout to see how that happens and. You know our first responders uh, required by their departments to get it. What does that look like? I'm, I'm sure it's going to create a lot, a lot of debate. Um, but we'll just continue to to watch how that unfolds in 2021. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And I'm sure, uh, like you said, it's going to drive a lot of discussion. And and I'll be one of those in line as soon as it's available to me to uh, to get the vaccine. And you know if If COVID wasn't taxing enough of a thing to cover, uh, we also had another set of unprecedented events uh, in the year, and that was the civil unrest that really began after the death of, of George Floyd. And Janelle, I know that you jumped right into gear with that. So right so one day you were you you were knee deep in covid and the next day you were knee deep into the coverage of the civil unrest. Can you talk a little bit about how we shifted from the covid into the the civil unrest and how that's affected the fire service nationally?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh you know, it's interesting with covid because even though at different times it looked like oh we it seems like we're coming through and then it would, you know, there would be spikes again. So COVID never went away <laughs> right. you know and it's not going to go away for a while um but yeah you're right we did have to kind of shift gears for a little bit there because all of a sudden there was this huge huge activity happening that did have a a direct impact on first responders and you know our sister sites police1.com and ems1.com you know they were really on it as well because you know these protests that were happening you know obviously there's the police are involved and then EMTs and paramedics transporting where there were injuries and then the firefighters getting involved where fires were set and you know it became this very interesting situation to cover from the firefighter perspective because you know firefighters have this long history of a great public you know reputation within the public um and suddenly it felt like things were shifting. Firefighters were, were being attacked. Um, apparatus were damaged. There were some, some very scary scenes while that was happening, um, which I, I don't think firefighters have faced in a long time. Um, some that pushback, um, and a lot of it was, you know, frankly tied up or kind of conflated with just public safety in general. You know there was a lot of animosity towards police, which then sort of became conflated with fire, because you know the firefighters would be trying to get to scenes, put the fires out. They might be being protected or escorted by police while that was happening. You know, and so it was a very, very interesting time. Um, Lexipol did a, a really great webinar, and I believe it's called "Caught in the Middle," which where these fire chiefs, you know, they were talking about this unique place that that firefighters found themselves in during the civil unrest this summer Um, because, you know, they're not the ones actively engaged with protesters for the most part, and yet they find themselves in these positions where they sometimes have to be, Um, even though, you know, we expect police to be, we expect EMS to be to some degree if there's injuries, but with firefighters, it was sort of a new role for them. So yeah. we immediately tried to figure out what the best way was to convey this new information to firefighters about what to do when you're in these situations. And it was it was pretty eye opening.
0: Yeah. And it you you hit the nail on the head when you said, you know, firefighters are used to to. Uh... Essentially, being the good guys, uh, the, the firefighters have always had this intimate relationship with the public that um, is is hard to quantify and qualify, but it's just kind of the reality. And while I think that still exists, we're still the ones they call to get the cats out of the tree. We're still the ones they call, um, you know, when somebody's locked in a car or the, just the things that nobody else will come deal with. Um, there is a different paradigm now. And you see a lot more um, uh, of discussions that, you know, tend to lead us in a direction of should first responders be armed? And I'm talking fire and medical, um, not something we're really going to discuss here. But it it uh, leads to a lot of those discussions that a few years ago we just wouldn't even have thought about. You, know, you mentioned it had been a long time since the fire department had faced that it. it's probably been the 1960s, the, the riots of the 1960s since the firefighters um had faced repercussions during civil unrest um so you know it has been a long time and you know the the social media angle i wanted to talk about that for a minute yeah Um, you know when we see our own people taking um political sides we'll say taking a uh, a political stance and you know well, I'm not going to talk about social media policy of individual agencies because every agency has a little bit different policy um, but I do I do want you to reflect for a minute on social media and you know how what what did you see come out of that and, and how did we deal with it
1: yeah that was one of the more unfortunate um, consequences really or um, results that came out of uh, the civil unrest, in terms of the direct impact on the fire service, was there were so much activity in terms of firefighters at all levels uh, facing consequences at their departments because of um, social media posts, um, you know, in response to or commenting on the civil unrest, right. and you know there were firefighters who were suspended, terminated, even um, over posts that were deemed to be inappropriate, break social media policy, um, it might be deemed to be racist, for example, or um, just inappropriate in some way. And you know, a lot of our columnists wrote about this issue because, you know, even if you know, if you're a firefighter, even if you're posting something on your personal page, you know, you're still a firefighter representing your department, you know, and the fire service, just like other public safety agencies, you know, those, those members, there's a public trust there that people, you know, expect from, from their, you know, first responders. And so then it led to so, so many stories about this, actually so many that uh, we almost weren't able to keep up with the number of firefighters who had been, who had faced significant discipline related to civil unrest focused social posts. Um, we actually created a compilation article because it just, <laughs> we had to put them all in one place because there was almost so many happening every day for a while um, that it was just almost too much for individual articles.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I remember the discussion and I wanted to hit this real quick, the discussion about uh, First Amendment. Yeah. And, and, you know, that was a pretty big deal. And, um, you know, I drove home in an article and it was the single most uh, commented on article that I've had for the year um, was driven out of the civil unrest and the discussion about uh, First Amendment rights. And I will reiterate what I said in that article. And that is that the, the First Amendment gives you the right to say whatever you want to say uh, within, you know, legal parameters. Um, it does not give you the right to avoid consequences and it does not give you the right to a job. So, yep. um, you know, if, if people can uh, um, wrap their heads around that, then hopefully they wrap their heads around. Maybe I should just step back for a second. And, you know, I I, I coined a uh acronym over the year of b-a-f-t-k b-a-f-t-k and that's back away from the keyboard yeah. and you know i got quite a few folks that now are using that as uh just when they're when they're sitting there reading somebody's post and they're getting ready to chomp at the bit to say something and they see the b-a-f-t-k and it's just a little bit of a mind jogger that you know maybe maybe it's not so important that we comment on that and of course, we're not going to cover those things from a controversial perspective. Um, we want to make sure that we're covering the news that's important to the fire service, and that's not yeah. going to include uh, that political back and forth. Yeah. So, well, you know, as we dealt with COVID, and then we were dealing with civil unrest. Uh, we th- those things were raging, and so were the unprecedented wildfires and. Australia and across the United States. And, you know, we're going to cover wildfires in a different podcast or at a different time. Uh, we did a lot of coverage uh, on wildfires in 2019, but they kept going into the 2020. And, um, but there were even more 2020 metaphorical wildfires for us to deal with. And the last piece I want to cover here as we talk about those wildfires of 2020 is the political environment and the elections. So, Janelle, why is it important? And I think you attended a class I did one time on this. um, So I think I know the answer to this. So I'm teeing you up. for uh, Why is it important for firefighters and fire chiefs to uh, think about elections and politics and be concerned about that?
1: Yeah, Mark, I mean, I think I think you've said it best when you say, you know, fire chiefs. You know, you are politicians. You have to yeah. remember that. You have to remember that role that you play. And it's no, you're not you know, necessarily an elected official in, in most cases. But let's face it, politics does get so woven into so much of what happens. And while, you know, by no means are we a, a political website at all, but, um, you know, the news related to politics has a direct impact. On the fire service, whether it's funding, you know, uh, legislation, um, you know, we have a new administration coming into office in January, and how that, you know, how they're going to handle vaccine rollouts, you know, things of that nature, all of that trickles down, all of it has a direct impact on firefighters, um, you know, from grant funding to research that's being conducted into cancer exposures there's so much there so we've tried to stay on top of it we've tried to look at what uh you know the different political angles and how it would impact firefighters and we'll continue to do that um you know just focusing on the news angle of it uh as we head into a new year
0: yeah and you know as we Think about politics. You know, it's important for fire chiefs and, and firefighters to understand that we're not just talking about elections. As as, uh, uh, as Janelle said, it's it's not all about being an elected politician, but so much of what goes on in politics drives the economy of the fire service, uh, drives the legislative end of uh, policies and standards and all the different things that uh, affect us daily and help us improve the safety of our communities. It's all driven through a political process. So, while COVID continues to rage and while the wildfires continue to rage, hopefully the civil unrest has wound down in, in most areas. And, and I think, you know, we have, uh, uh, while we still have a long way to go from a, a civility perspective in general, uh, I think the civil unrest has hopefully wound down in most communities. But we still have COVID. We still have the wildfires. Um, and we still have the issues of elections and the issues of politics swirling around us. So that's a lot that we've covered in the last 30 minutes here. Uh, and as we, as we go to closing out, Janelle, can you talk about the end-of-year coverage that uh, you were recently able to put together on FireRescue1.com? And then we'll kind of take it into the end of uh, our podcast today.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, you know, we've covered a lot of heavy topics here, and it makes sense because this year was really heavy. It was a really challenging year. That's but pretty much I know, right? Um, but one of the things, you know, that the editors really wanted to focus on for our year in, uh, in review was some of these bright moments as well. Yes, we covered COVID. Yes, we covered the civil unrest, but we also wanted to spotlight some of the more positive stories from the year that frankly got kind of lost in the news cycle. I mean, there was a lot of really wonderful things that happened this year. So, you know, for our, our coverage, we've got articles about, you know, heartwarming firefighter stories. Um, we've got some profiles of how different firefighters have really gone Above and beyond, including one who's a surgeon surgeon by day, firefighter by night yeah,
0: yeah great
1: <laughs> i know it's it's amazing i you know you think how how does anyone have the time in the day but you know he was very passionate and it it's amazing to to see everyone who's working so hard to give back to their communities you know and and we just take a a pretty unique look at some some really exceptional individuals. Um, And we even look at technology, you know, there were a lot of technological advances in 2020 or different ways that firefighters are getting creative um, with technology. And, you know, my favorite, my personal favorite that came out of this was a compilation of sorts. I, 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 in my head, I think of it as the, the Words of Hope compilation where we reached out to different fire service leaders and asked them, To share some words of encouragement to firefighters after such a difficult year, Um, we got so many responses. It it was just really uplifting. Um, One that I'd love to read from Fire Chief Phil Stilberg. He said, "Adversity is our normal working environment. For hundreds of years, we have overcome difficulties through training, self-discipline, perseverance, and boundless dedication. This is no different, and we will ultimately prevail." we are simply writing another chapter in our remarkable history, one that will be read with pride by future generations. I just, I really liked how he put that. We are simply writing another chapter in our remarkable history.
0: Yeah. And Phil, uh, I had a great opportunity to work with Phil on some NFPA missions. So uh, I know that comes from his heart and I hope that firefighters take it to heart. Um, And and frankly, as I, as I read through what I wrote, uh, indeed, Firefighters have risen, uh, have always risen to the challenge. 2020 has been such a challenging and draining year. We absolutely look forward to new opportunities for success and for forward progress in 2021. Adaptation is history that's on firefighters' side. And if 2020 has proven anything, it is that adaptation will also be our future. Stand up, step up, and be ready to lead in the new year. We know that the simple change of the calendar won't change the challenges but rather will provide us with a new opportunity to focus on a culture of safety and success. Janelle, I want to thank you for joining us today, a little bit different twist for our uh, podcast. I appreciate everything you do behind the scenes normally and that you were able to uh, uh, articulate with us today. I want to thank our yep and, and I want to thank our listeners for joining us here on Side Alpha podcast in the new year. Follow us on FireRescue1.com and FireChief.com for all of the news affecting the fire service worldwide. Keep safe, stay smart, and take care.